Hey guys, Owen here. Uh, this is my sermon from the 14th and Main Church of Christ. Uh, it's going to be on the Abide podcast and uh, the 14th and Main Facebook page. I hope you give it a listen. We're going to be talking about John chapter 4 and the woman at the well. Any guesses on who this picture is of? Jesus. You're right if you guessed that. <laughs> um, if you... Uh, I don't know when he posed for it, though, but it's definitely Jesus. Um, so, I look at this picture of Jesus and how he is portrayed to a lot of us uh, through, through images, through maybe even our own imagination, and we, we come to picture a Jesus who looks a lot like this. Maybe, maybe you don't. Uh, we picture Jesus who looks a lot like this. And... To be honest, a picture of Jesus that looks like this kind of makes me upset. <laughs> See, this Jesus, he's, he's way too ethereal, <laughs> which means uh, dainty, uh, too heavenly for real life. And this Jesus looks like that, in my opinion. And... A Jesus who is described like that offers me no help. A Jesus who is ethereal and can't, uh, can't understand what I'm going through, I, I can't go to this person with my greatest sin. And see, in fact, I end up wanting to hide my sin from him. Not that he doesn't know everything, but I think that if I get dressed up to the nines and come to worship on Sunday morning and, and, and act like everything's okay, that everything is okay. See, because if Jesus is just like this, if Jesus is just uh, too heavenly to understand my sin, to understand my weaknesses, to understand what I'm going through, then he might as well just not be. If I'm not going to trust in him to take care of me. And we, wishing to accomplish things on our own, will say, sure, I'm all in. And then go 99% in. Yeah, you know what? I, sign me up. Yes, I, I will follow. Sign me up. He looks awesome, sounds fun. But when it comes down to it, the deep and dark wounds and tears in our life, we hide because we don't think Jesus is good enough or well enough or able to reach down and heal that area of our life. I know that this is true of me. Maybe it's not of you. But I know that it is true of me. And the truth of the matter is that God wants us to give ourselves to him. Not just 99%, not 85%, not 75%, but 100%. God wants all of us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants us to come unsatisfied with what the world has to offer. Unsatisfied with where the world has led us. And find our fulfillment in Him. That is what He wants. There must be something greater than cowering behind my brokenness. There must be something greater than facing the world alone, than trying to, to conquer everything on my own. I promise there's something greater. There has to be. There has to be.
There's got to be something greater. Uh, We're going to look at John 4 this morning and see what Jesus has to offer that's greater than this world. So if you will turn there with me, John chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, it's 30, almost 30 verses. It's a long read, um, but we just need to. Uh, it's, it's good for us. We're going to read the whole thing. So here we are in John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. And it says, And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town called, town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, But but sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of life, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or not have to come here to drink. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said, Well, you're right. You have had five husbands, and the one you're now with is not your husband. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And he said to, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming and is the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus looks at her and says, I who speak to you am he. So we're going to go back to the beginning and work through this passage pretty quickly. Uh, I don't have much time. <sighs> pretty quickly, a lot of the points we're just going to skim over just so you get the picture. Uh, But if you notice at the beginning, it said Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, there are most definitely different paths from Judea to Galilee. There's the option of going around the Jordan River or going along the coastline of of the sea. You could do either one of them, right? So, So the majority of people chose to go around Samaria because it was a sinful people, right? Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. It was in the text. So they, most people would choose to go around, and, and apparently, it doesn't say when Jesus came from Galilee to Judea that he went through Samaria, so he might have gone around the first time. That's interesting. 
But Jesus chooses to go through Samaria, not he chooses because he had to, because he had, it was a divine appointment. Uh, he had, he had a, 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 an appointment scheduled with this woman who doesn't know that there's an appointment scheduled. He had to because he has, uh, he had, one second. He had to pass through Samaria. Jesus chooses through divine providence, that's the word I was looking for, to go to the well because he had an appointment with a thirsty woman. Jesus makes a point to seek after those who are burdened and those who are thirsty. Uh, I want to ask you before we dive in, are you burdened or thirsty this morning? I hope that you are. I hope that you're thirsty. Uh, But as we move on, so Jesus comes into Samaria. It's about the sixth hour of the day, uh, which is about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't know about you, but I'm not doing anything outside at lunchtime right now, (laughs) or yesterday. Uh, I mean, I might if I had to, but it would not be my choice. I would not choose to walk a couple miles to get water. I would go lay down underneath a shade tree, and whenever it was time in the evening, I'd go get some water. That's what Jesus is doing at this moment. He says, well, I don't really want to go into town. I'm tired, and and I'm going to sit right here. And, And the Samaritan woman comes at lunchtime alone. This is not a middle-of-the-day activity. It is a 5 o'clock in the morning activity, nighttime activity. All right, That's when you come to the water to draw. Come to the, wet, to wa- the well to draw water. <clears throat> but what I really want to no- point out about this picture is if you're, if you're in this text with me, it says that in verse 6, Jake, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, wearied as, his wa- as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It's the middle of the day. Uh, the picture we had up earlier here, Jesus does not look like that in this picture. Jesus is sweaty. He's probably dirty. He probably smells terrible. And if he walked in this church building today, we'd probably ask him what's going on here. Because he, he doesn't look like anybody else. He did, or now, now we think that, right? He, he's able to sympathize with us, to realize what we're going through because he is in the dirt and the muck and the, the grime of our daily lives. He, understand what, he understands what it's like to, to be tired and to be thirsty and to be empty. He, he, he knows what that feeling is like. He understands See, and this, this woman comes from Samaria, and, and Jesus looks at her and says, could you give me a drink? Uh, his disciples are gone, just him and her. This is an astounding question. First of all, Jews weren't even allowed to talk to their wives in public, let alone a Samaritan woman. She, he should not be speaking to this person for two reasons. She's a Samaritan and she's a woman. Should not be speaking to her. And he walks up and he says, give me a drink. He doesn't only talk to her, he asks a favor from her. Please give it to me. Come on. She says, whoa. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I'm a woman and you're in Samaria. 
right? Uh, you're not supposed to be talking to me. <laughs> this, is, this is starting off. She's, she's somebody that most people, most Jews would never communicate with. She's somebody that most people would shy away from. And the fact that she's coming at lunchtime in the middle of the day all by herself tells you that she's a castaway. Nobody, nobody in the town comes and hangs out with this woman. They're not having tea parties at lunchtime. She's all by herself, all alone in a broken and terrible world. And she looks around and nobody's there for her. Her friends, her family, her relatives, nobody gives her the time of day. I don't even know what, it, I, I can't imagine being this alone. I, I really can't. Uh, especially now in, a, in an age of social media. But really we can be that alone even in this age of social media. To be broken and, and torn down and feel like nobody actually cares for us. Uh, maybe you feel that. Maybe you don't. But the woman, bewildered that Jesus is talking to her, says, how do you ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? But Jesus answered her, if you only knew, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew the gift of God that was speaking to you, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. If you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. We'll get to the living water in a second, but for right now, I want to see how she responds to this. She says two things. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than Jacob? Very valid questions, right? Uh, here, this Jew comes into your country, to your place of worship, to your place of drawing water, and says to you, I have something better than this. It seems arrogant, honestly. I'm better than you, and, and I have a better water than you. And she's like, all right, well, show it to me. You don't even have a thing to draw water with. <laughs> and he says, well, she asks that question and says, are you greater than Jacob? So those two questions I'm going to address. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than Jacob? See, Jesus in and of himself is the living water. He's the one who's going to give the Spirit so that we may worship Him in spirit and truth. He's the one who's going to allow us to come in and drink of Him, to drink of God in a dry and weary land or parched land where there is no water. Our hearts long for Him, and He's going to give us this water. Psalm, chapter six, Psalm 63. And Jesus, see, before Jacob was, Jesus was. So is he greater than Jacob? By all means. Are you greater than our father? Jesus is your father. <laughs> uh, Jesus is Jacob's father. I mean, uh, everything that you, have, uh, that you have right now pales in comparison to what Jesus is offering you. And you were, we were trying to ask questions and make excuses and say, but, but isn't the way we're doing it good? But isn't the way that, 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 isn't this well all right? I mean, we really don't need anything else because what we're doing right now is okay. It's good. It's satisfying. But in reality, it's not. There's something better. And Jesus, 
He says, I'm going to give you water that will become uh, a welling up to eternal life, right? And then he says, the woman responds, all right? So she's all on board. Jesus has said, I'm going to give you living water. It's going to be better than this. It's going to leave this in the past, and it won't compare at all. And he says, I'm going to give you living water. And then the woman responds, give it to me. Like, so give me this water so I won't have to come here and drink. She says yes. Like, so, so sign her up. Put her on the food committee. Right, get ready to go and serve. She, she's on board. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with just a superficial yes that, that makes everything okay and, and she can come to church now and be all happy and joyful and, and, and come and sit in the pew and sing the songs and be committed, but really just half of her life is in it. See, Jesus looks at her and asks what would really, to a lot of us, kind of seem to be a jerk question. Uh, go get your husband. See, Jesus is, is trying to reach down and touch the deepest, darkest wounds in her life. I know, I don't know why she'd had five husbands. Maybe, maybe first option is all of them have died, and that's why the guy she's with now won't marry her. I mean, I'm probably not marrying at this point, right? Uh, maybe she's just gets around. But I, I like to subscribe to this idea that, and, and I don't really have any proof, but I think that she's a seeker is why I think this. She's been mistreated by every single one of her husbands. She has been put in the dirt and rubbed and, and kicked around and treated however she wanted to by each of her husbands. And she keeps going back to another one because she wants to find life. She wants to find something better. And she's finally given up, and she's just going to stay with this guy. She comes in the middle of the day. She comes dirty with ragged clothes, looking, looking absolutely terrible, and as if, she couldn't get, as if it couldn't get any worse, as if her feelings and, and her pain couldn't get any worse, Jesus calls her out on her greatest unachievement, on her greatest failure as a wife, as a, maybe a mother, maybe she can't have children, as maybe being beaten by her spouse's, Jesus says, go get him and come here. Because he wants to reach down and he wants to touch the wounds that define this woman. He wants to reach down and say, I have something better for you. I have something better than the pain and the, and, and the hurt that you're going through. I have something better I believe in some way we all have this area in our life. We all have a husband. <laughs> we all have something, something that, that if it got out, we'd be going to the well by ourselves in the middle of the day so that nobody else could see us or talk to us. Something that, that maybe is deep down inside of us that we don't want anyone to know about. We want to keep it hidden and bottled up in, that, in, in the hopes of, in the hopes of, Maintaining uh, a, a good reputation. We, we keep it bottled up because we don't want people to see 
uh, who we actually are. We may be, and this is what the point is, keep it up bottled, bottled up from Jesus, hoping that he won't really see how sinful we are. But in reality, he wants us to bring it to him. Go and get your husband and bring him here. I don't have one. Yeah, you do. Go get him. She then asked a question, or she, she kind of asked a question. She said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is where we ought to worship. Which one? I mean, you're a prophet. You're the one of God. Which, where are we supposed to be worshiping? I'm not really understanding this, and I'm kind of confused. Jesus looks, uh, looks at her and says, ah, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. See, we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Why is this important? Everything I've talked about, everything I've mentioned about this being a broken and, and, and hurting woman, about us being broken and hurting people, comes over here and says, you know, I would worship God, but I can't because of geographic location and my, uh, because of who I am. That's why I can't. But in reality... The truth of the matter is that Jesus is going to make a way to where it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what your past is, what, uh, where you're from, what color your skin is. It's not going to matter. All that's going to matter is that you worship him in the spirit and in truth. He's going to lay aside and take away those burdens that hinder us from worshiping him. And he's going to say, just come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you will be able to worship me in spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains anymore. It won't be all about high priest anymore. It won't be about me bringing a spotless lamb because the spotless lamb has been provided. The high priest is always present. And he comes and he dwells in our broken bodies by making them better, comes and he speaks to this person who's hurting at the well and says, come on. I think there's a real argument to say that the entire book of John is written in retrospect to the Spirit. Uh, and I would have to argue for quite a bit to make my entire point. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says that uh, we have seen the glory, glory of the only one of Son of God. It wasn't, Jesus was never transfigured in the book of John. So they never saw physical glory, but they saw spiritual glory in Jesus Christ. John chapter 2 and verse, uh, I think about 8, uh, the, Jesus turns water into wine, right? That's what John chapter 2 is. He, he uses the Jewish, uh, Jewish 
jugs for the ritual of purification, right? He uses that, and he turns that into wine, saying, I'm going to give you a spiritual way that's better than the way you're doing now. John chapter 3, he says, unless you're born to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, in verse 5, Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot come into the kingdom. So you have to be born of the Spirit. I'm a spiritual or this is going to be a spiritual kingdom. It's not going to be about flesh. Because if it feels about flesh, it would hinder us from coming into it because we're different. We don't all look the same, and we're not all perfect. But God is seeking those who are spirit and truth to worship Him. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, Praise be to God that the the kingdom of God is not about my flesh. Our relationship with God is not dictated by physical location or knowledge or law keeping, but by spirit and truth. Things that limit us from worshiping, worshiping Him are no more. They're taken away. Okay, I know we're not diving hugely into what truth is, or, because I'm already over. The woman says to him, I know. I'm probably with tears in her eyes by this point because she's having such a great conversation with this man. I know that when the Messiah is coming, I know that he's coming, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. He's going to come and, and he's going to be the one who's going to sort out this mess. He's going to be the one that's going to make me better. He's going to be the one that heals my wounds. He's going to be the one that makes worship possible anywhere. He's going to be the one who, who gives instructions on how we ought to do stuff. And Jesus looks at her and says, I'm the one who's going to do it. I'm the one who's going to take away your burdens. I'm the one who's going to take away your pain, your wounds, your, your husband. I'm going to make things right, and you can stop thirsting for anything the world has to give you and come and drink from me because I am the Messiah. I make way too big of a point in my life to drink and try to find my fulfillment in things that are not the Messiah. Oftentimes, and I'm not my husband, <laughs> oftentimes the thing that, that has power over me, the thing that has broken me down and torn me down, and there's, there's more than one thing. I mean, you think about it. There's something in your life that makes you this woman, that makes you like her, that makes you broken. And, and I, try, I try to put on a mask, and I, maybe I, I come and, and, and I pray, like act like I have a perfect prayer life, and that everything's okay, but in reality, it's not. Jesus knows this. We don't need to come in here and act like everything's okay. You don't need to live your life acting like you've got it all together. You don't need to, you know, come in, sit down, somebody ask you, how's it going? Well, you know, it's just great. <sighs> well, he begs us, he calls us, and he says, 
I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the answer to your questions. I am He. And just for a second, let's see how she responds. If, if you were to guess, uh, would you say that she sits there and stays there? She just, all right, well, this is cool. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Does she move on and say, well, all right, well, that's cool. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, though. Uh, does she just uh, say, all right, I'll start going to church, come and sit in the pew and not do anything about it? No, none of those things. She, she's overcome with excitement, and she takes off, I would imagine, sprinting into the town and says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. She runs back into the town that she was an outcast from and says, come to him. He wants you. He, he knows you. He knows me. And they come to believe not, not on what this woman said, but because they have seen and have believed with their own eyes. See, this woman, she came to the well, thirsty, tired, broken, alone, and empty. Abused, hopeless, sinful. But mainly thirsty. And she leaves fulfilled, forgetting about water. She, says she, she left her, her water jar there. Leaving her water jar, she took back off into the city and told everyone. And, and I'm not, we're not going to dive into this hugely. But we need God more than we need water to live. We need Jesus to come in and do this more than we need water. We need God more than we need food. We need Him. Because uh, Jesus says, my will is to do the... I have food to eat that you know not of. My, will, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Now, my prayer this morning, and I'm done, is that whatever is on your heart, your mind, uh, your soul, that weighs you down, that deep and dark and hidden area of your life, whatever it is, stop trying to hide it. Come before Jesus and give it to Him. Because He says that I am He. I am the one who takes away the sins of the world. I am the one who will give you comfort, you weary and heavy laden person. I'm the one who takes it all. If this morning you have need or, or want uh, to come to the feet of Jesus and say, take it, I can't hold it anymore. I'm tired of masquerading around like I've got it perfect. If you need to do that this morning, I pray that you will as we stand and as we sing.